podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. Hello, this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association, and I would like to welcome you to our podcast entitled The Scalability of Distance Learning Initiatives Within Current School Models Resistant to Change. I'm thrilled today to have Dr. Daryl Diamond, who's going to address this topic, which is extremely timely. Daryl, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having Great. me. Great. Well, we're thrilled to have you. I'd like to introduce uh, Dr. Diamond. She is currently the Assistant Director for Enterprise Change Implementation and leads the Organizational Change Management Team and Training and Support Center for Broward County Public Schools in Florida. That is a mouthful there, <laughs> but it's very impressive. Her work has involved the implementation of numerous instructional technology initiatives designed to alter the national current educational system and transform it into one that better represents the 21st century teaching and learning. Daryl is a national board certified teacher and a certified distance learning leader. She's also, besides doing a lot of things, treasurer of the Florida Distance Learning Association and a committee member of the North American Council for Online Learning. Her research in that capacity actually involves identifying the attributes that enable instructional technology reforms to go to scale. Well, if that's not enough, Dr. Diamond also is a recipient of many awards, and this is just a brief list of them, and I think you'll be as impressed as I am. Uh, she's a recipient of the 2007 Motorola Foundation Innovation Generation Grant, a member of the 2007 Microsoft U.S. Innovative Teachers Forum. She is a 2006 Florida Master Digital Educator. She's the recipient of the 2005 United States Distance Learning Association Bronze Award for Excellence in Video Conferencing and Online Education. And last but not least, she is the 2004 Cisco Growing with Technology Award Grant Prize Public Sector Award winner. So, Daryl, thank you very much for joining us. You've been very busy, and thank you for fitting us into your schedule. Well, thank you again for having me here. On your topic, which I really found fascinating, I've been reading a few things that you have written. First question would be, why do you find the topic of scalability of distance learning programs important to spend this amount of time that you have? Well, traditionally, scalability was defined as increasing the number of people, schools, locations, or organizations that use distance learning or any educational reform. Scaling up educational reforms then becomes seen merely as a marketing problem. How do you convince end users to purchase and utilize a specific educational design? For those of us who are in the K through 12 educational arena, we're interested in seeing systemic change in how we design and deliver educational programming. We want to remove the traditional methods of drill and kill and practicing for standardized tests to redesign curriculum so that it's more engaging and more authentic for students. In this way, we would be restructuring the curriculum to more accurately reflect 21st century teaching and learning. 
And for all of these reasons, we need to redefine what constitutes bringing distance learning reforms to scale. To me, going to scale means that the distance learning program has the ability to change basic pedagogical principles. It has the viability for longevity. It has the ability for replication within multiple venues, which is the traditional notion of going to scale. It has the acceptance of the mainstream educational arena. It provides evidences of improved practice in education. And it's proven to be effective in terms of student learning. Because if there is no evidence uh, for improved student learning, then why bother to scale up the initiative to begin with? So we as educators need to be able to identify specific attributes that enable distance learning initiatives to go to scale and therefore become embedded into the basic fabric of the educational organizations. Excellent. I'm really interested to know, how did, how did your research actually describe the dimensions of scalability? I see four different dimensions that represent going to scale. First is spread, and that's the key component of the traditional definition of scale because it relates to the spreading of the reform to greater numbers of classrooms and schools. But just equally as important is this concept of the depth of the, the reform, and that refers to the nature of change that is evidenced in classroom practice, including indicators such as changes in teachers' beliefs, norms of interactions, and underlying pedagogical principles. Also important is sustainability. It is central challenge in bringing reform initiatives to scale because the dimension seeks to determine whether or not, as well as how, schools sustain reforms after the external partner or the funding dissipates. This is extremely critical right now in the times of dwindling dollars for education. The last dimension that research indicates is a shift in reform ownership. And this is more than just your typical buy-in for the reform. It's the ultimate goal of any innovation. In this manner, you're transforming the uh, innovation to multiple constituents within a school or school district. It's a move away from the reform being controlled externally to it being controlled internally. And it allows for the knowledge and authority of the reform to be held by the schools the teachers and the administrators who are thereby capable of sustaining it, spreading it, and deepening the reform principles themselves. And reforms that successfully balance these four dimensions have the potential to successfully go to scale. Excellent. Uh, Daryl, you keep mentioning scaling up and then you mentioned going to scale. I'm a little confused. Can you elaborate on the distinction between scaling up a distance learning program versus it actually going to scale? Sure, I'd be happy to. Whereas scaling up implies improvement in the technical core of education where practice occurs, this would be seen as improvements in curriculum, pedagogy, and assessment. Going to scale implies changes in the professional culture in which the practice is actually occurring. This would be seen as changes in, in roles, norms, relationships, and structures. Uh, whereas scaling up implies expanded use of a program, practice, or a product, Going to scale implies its full utilization in a given jurisdiction. Scaling up implies the increased use of a particular policy, program, or practice. And going to scale implies achieving reform in such a large number of schools and classrooms that the norms of the profession are altered and the distance learning reform practice actually becomes the new standard. And finally, where scaling up implies viewing scale as a marketing problem that requires strategies or incentives, 
to persuade local decision makers and teachers to adopt the reform, going to scale implies viewing scale as a problem of knowledge development and its proper utilization. With these distinctions between scaling up and going to scale, the real challenge is to identify strategies that enable distance learning initiatives to go to scale within organizational structures that are sometimes very resistant to change. Oh, that really helps in, in describing the two. Thank you. Could you speak to the issue of what strategies can actually be used that will enable you know, distant, distance learning programs to go to scale? I'm sure you've had experience with implementing a lot of different projects, activities, and strategies. Well, my work as a distance learning leader at Broward County Public Schools and my research has given me guidance as to how to develop strategies uh, to help innovations go to scale. My research has identified five categories that require strategic attention. First category is the distance learning design itself. The second category is the time that's given to diffuse the distance learning program. The third are, are the communication channels that are used to deliver information about the program to potential end users, as well as to deliver information from the end users back to those individuals who are developing the distance learning program. The next category is how effective is the program or how effective is its potential as it relates to the improvement in instruction, student achievement, and teacher efficacy. The required strategic leadership capabilities round off these attribute categories, and they're essential to bringing a distance learning program to scale. These capabilities include the ability for a distance learning leader to successfully utilize managerial, transformational, political, and ethical leadership skill sets. From these five categories, I've created an attribute checklist that can be utilized when designing and implementing a distance learning program. You mentioned the attribute checklist. Can you give me some examples of how you would actually use this checklist? Sure. I use the attribute checklist as a guide in reviewing three projects that I've worked on over the past seven years as both project manager and instructional leader in Broward County Public Schools. The first project was the implementation of an online middle and high school, Broward Virtual Education. It was the first and largest franchise of Florida Virtual School. I used the checklist to identify areas of strength that helped me as the instructional leader of the project and to, it helped me to scale up the project, as well as to identify areas of weaknesses that could hinder the ability for the project to go to scale. The second project was designed and delivered while I was project manager for the Educational Technology Services Department of Broward County Public Schools. We used handheld devices as intelligent tutors for exceptional students and English language learners. In using the checklist, I was able to align the strengths and with certain attributes as well as the weaknesses that stopped the project from moving to the extent that it held promise to go. One of the weaknesses was the fact that it didn't fit in with the political climate that was there at the time. The handheld device that we used was not the typical iPod, and Apple organization has a, a huge stronghold within the district. And so even though the use of the handheld that we chose 
was better able to perform what we needed it to perform. The political climate of the moment really was stopping it from expanding uh, to the extent that we had wanted it to go. Mm -hmm. The checklist has those types of attributes on it so that as you're going through the design of your program, you can determine whether or not there are going to be things along the way that are going to stand in the way of success. Right now, I am currently working with the Organizational Change Management Team and the Training and Support Center for Broward County Public Schools in initiating a project, that a technology project, that is going to affect 40,000 instructional and non-instructional personnel throughout the district. As we roll out this new technology, we're recognizing that there is an extreme amount of resistance to the project because, again, is changing the way people actually perform their jobs and people are resistant to, to change and it makes it very very difficult to implement a project that you don't have something in front of you to rely on as a tool to help you identify those things that could possibly stand in your way. It appears you have a few challenges ahead of you to say the least. In looking at the checklist what do you hope a participant would gain from reviewing, using, looking at, implementing a checklist? I think that the attribute checklist can be used as a guide for anyone who's interested in designing and delivering a distance learning program in their organization. It'll help them make sure that their design is not too complex, that their design is compatible within the existing political climate of their organization. It will also ensure that their program offers a relative advantage to programs that it supersedes. Finally, I hope that the attribute checklist will help their distance learning program demonstrate improvement in teaching and learning. Excellent, Daryl. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank that you very was, much uh, for having me. And please do not hesitate to visit us at our website at www.usdla.org. And you can also reach Dr. Diamond through our website. So thank you very much and have a great day. This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. The Fischler School of Education and Human Services is dedicated to the enhancement and continuing support of teachers, administrators, trainers, and others working in related helping professions throughout the world.